to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Are you blessed to be in the house of the Lord? I'm going to share with you on the I'm going to share with you on a title uh, The Prophetic Believer The Prophetic Believer I thought you would be more excited than that I love the way you think I love the way you feel The Prophetic believer and I want to start by reading from the book of Acts and just seeing the promise of God in Acts chapter number 2 I love the way you think I love the way you feel. And I want us to read from verse uh, 1, but we'll focus on verse 13. No, I won't read all 13 verses. Um, And I want us to look at the prophetic believer. Turn to your neighbor and say, prophesy. Tell another one, prophesy. You know, um, one thing that if you observed recently, there was a wave of the prophetic and everyone wanted to prophesy. Now, it did come with some errors and some challenges, which then made everyone want to correct the prophetic. The challenge, one challenge that we had is a lot of people who are correcting it don't prophesy. So people have sort of become afraid and they are not free in that area. They are bound to shackles of religion and intimidation. But by the time we're done, you'll be saying, get the shackles off my feet. No, so I can prophesy. Praise God. Okay. Now, do you remember in Acts chapter number one, Jesus had told the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, in Acts chapter two, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, we see something interesting. The people were gathered in one place, and there was this mighty rushing wind. I'm sure you remember that old song, there came a sound from heaven. You know it? Like a mighty rushing wind. It filled their hearts with singing and gave them peace within. Guys, that's the chorus. (laughs) Jesus gave the promise that his glory would come down. He said, from your inner being, there will be a river with no end. Don't you think it's so nice? The last one goes, there is a river 
Okay. That flows from deep within. There is a fountain that cleanses us from our sin. All you have to do is come to the waters. There is a mass supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Okay, okay, fine. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. I want us to picture this. It, it's not like this sound was in the spirit. This sound was in the flesh. They could hear it, and it filled the house that they were in. So imagine we're, we're here praying, and we just start hearing, foo, 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 foo. And we check it's not the gen set. <laughs> Next verse. Media, could we just correct that projection? And then there appeared to them. I don't know whether they saw them, but it said there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And we all know what happened, right? They were all filled with the Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, this was a very unique thing, so the crowd had a response. So, let's look at verse 12. There are some who celebrated and said, this is God. So, verse 12 says, they were all amazed and perplexed. So, for people who say that we like preaching with big words, these big words are in the Bible. So, if you don't know what perplexed means, you'll find that you're the richness of your understanding of that scripture will be futile. So it says, they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Verse 13. Others mocking said they are full of new wine. Now here's what I'll tell you. When there's a move of the spirit, those who are spectating will either find it amazing or entertaining. Now, I want you to hear that. By the way, you should never be among the spectators. It means that there is a way the Spirit touched them that from a fleshly perspective, they were saying, are these guys drunk? Because maybe instead of walking like this, they were walking like this. Maybe somebody would stand up and immediately fall to the ground. Maybe there was another person who was laughing uncontrollably and couldn't stop laughing. There was another person who was speaking at the top of their voice and couldn't stop speaking. If you want the move of the Spirit, you must be ready to just let loose. If you want to be cute, <laughs> the Holy Ghost don't do cute. <laughs> Are you hearing me? The Holy Ghost doesn't do cute. When the Holy Spirit means to arrest your soul, I don't know if somebody is hearing me. So, you can be but when the spirit begins to move, just allow him, okay? If it means you come out of this place, your white shirt is brown, it's okay. Well, when you go home and they see you like that, they're like, ah, so she's from church. That's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah? Have you ever come for a service, your hair is intact? By the time you're leaving, <laughs> looks like you've never interacted with a comb. <laughs> We're about to have such things. Praise God. Now, Peter stood up and defended these people. In case you wanted to know, that's why I don't like the term drunk in the Holy Spirit. Because it was said as a mockery, not as a revelation. This was the revelation. But Peter, standing up with the eleven. And this is the same Peter who, remember a few days before, about 53 days before, had struggled with regards um, the servant girls and all those people. Remember, he had denied Jesus. Suddenly, the boldness comes. And you see, when the Holy Spirit fills you, he amplifies everything. That's why you, someone may say, why do you pray loudly? Sometimes it's just the infilling of the Spirit. Like everything just becomes amplified. It's an amplified version of you. Okay, so 
Your hallelujah is no longer the old hallelujah. It's like when you say hallelujah. I know, there's just something. You know what I mean? Praise God. Okay, but Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Aha. Uh -huh. These men are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Uh huh. But this, so it was around nine. But this is to fulfill, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Remember Joel speaking this? Chapter what? Chapter 2. Verse. Verse what? <laughs> Should be around 28, right? And this is what Joel spoke. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I think I didn't change them. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. Now, this scripture is very interesting in several ways. Number one, Peter doesn't even talk about tongues here. Number two... <laughs> doesn't even talk about tongues, but Paul explains it because when you're speaking in tongues, you're prophesying to yourself. And when you interpret it to another person, you are, it becomes prophecy. Remember, tongues plus interpretation equal to prophecy. Now, one, he doesn't even talk about tongues. Two, women were included. Because before that, you, were, you would not really see the inclusion of women. Suddenly, you could not... Suddenly, we, don't just, we weren't just going to have men of God. We we're also going to have women of God. Because he says, my manservants and my maidservants. And he says, your sons and your daughters. So meaning, you didn't necessarily have to be among the pulpit preachers to qualify for this. So he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And... It ends by saying, even in those days, I'll pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. All of them would prophesy. Turn to your neighbor and say, prophesy. This is for everybody. I'm saying, ask your neighbor, when was the last time you prophesied? Yeah, let them answer. I'm, I'm, I'm very serious. <laughs> When was the last time you prophesied? Yeah, what are some of the answers you're hearing? When was the last time you prophesied? Last week? That's far. Uh -huh, this side was the last time you prophesied. These are very important questions to be asking each other as believers. Like, hi, how are you? Or you guys who like texting each other, maybe you're trying to start like a something. When you ask, have you eaten? The next question, have you prophesied today? <laughs> no, let's have, a, let's have a, prophetic, a prophetic date. You pick up in my spirit where I've decided we should meet for the day. <laughs> Now, um, this is serious business. And for us to understand it in the New Testament, I would want us to understand the ministry of a prophet in the Old Testament. Now, the term prophesying includes everything that has to do with the prophetic. So whether it's having a dream, whether it's a vision, whether it's a word of knowledge, all those things, then we can just say prophesying. Okay. So I, I do know that there are various teachings on the streams of the prophetic. Maybe others will teach the seven streams of the prophetic. Others will teach um, 
perhaps the difference between a prophet, the gift of prophecy, the spirit of a prophet, the but in the context of this teaching, I want you to flow with me because I'll make it as simple as possible. Before we can understand anything else, we would have to understand the ministry of a prophet. And if I'm to go ahead of myself, what I'll say is see yourself in that ministry. You may be, you may be saying, um, Pastor, you like about to ordain all of us as prophets. Sometimes I, I really think we've not understood Ephesians 4.11. Ephesians 4.11 says, but he gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors, uh, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. That means that the saints are supposed to be apostolic, the saints are supposed to be prophetic, the saints are supposed to know how to teach, though by this time you ought to be teachers, the saints are supposed to evangelize, and the saints are supposed to be pastoral in nature. It means the saints are supposed to have access to everything. After all, the Bible says, of his fullness have you received grace upon grace. Find that in John chapter 1. So there is nothing wrong with any believer studying the ministry of a prophet. However, let me just mention, I wouldn't advise you to call yourself what God hasn't called you. So what's the safest thing to call yourself? A believer. And you don't know how big a believer is. Okay? Okay, Pastor, what about the ministry offices and all those things? Um, what if I feel there's a calling? Callings are not really felt, you know? <laughs> you can't feel like there was a phone call. I think... A, a calling is it's a summoning by God and, he, and his summonings take place over and over again the first summoning we all have is to be believers firstly it says we've been called into fellowship right and then if God adds on others he's got his ways he does it he may reveal it to you directly if someone is serving under someone he may reveal it to the person yeah above sorry the person who's above you for example who called Elisha Elisha didn't necessarily have a vision. Elisha just interacted with Elijah because God had told him, go anoint that one. And what, what's my advice if someone senses they've got a calling? It's always best to come for counsel. But that's a story for another day because that also has its own special assignment. Let's deal with the prophetic believer. So I want us to understand the ministry of the prophet from the Old Testament. And we'll have a good time. Numbers 12 verse 6. It seems as if the first person who is called a prophet in the Bible, or should I say the first person referred to as a prophet, if you had to study the book of, if you had to study the New Testament, it seems as though Abel was regarded as a prophet by God. Um, that's in the New Testament, right? And what did he do? He offered sacrifices. But we also see Abraham being regarded as a prophet. You know Abraham was a prophet? Are you aware? Remember the story of Abraham and is it uh, when that king was checking out his wife? And then God came and said to the king, saying, you're a dead man. Now imagine, <laughs> if God tells you you're dead, I, I don't know, you ask, in what realm? And then the king, by a miraculous way, had married Sarah, but had not uh, slept with her. And so he says, look, I've not even touched her. Okay? For the person last Sunday who asked me <laughs> whether there's a, there's a spirituality with sexual intercourse that shows you something. The king literally said, like, you're going to have to forgive me because I've not actually slept with her. And the king said, okay, go tell Abraham to pray for you for he's a prophet. So God referred to him as that. Now, in Numbers chapter 12, there was a very interesting situation. 
a man named Moses, who we all know, had taken up a second wife, right? And um, she was, I think she was African, right? Yeah. And Miriam, who also used to hear God, and Aaron decided to gossip about Moses. Little did they know the symbolic nature of uh, the other one representing the Gentiles and one representing the Jews. And so they decided to have a conversation concerning Moses. And when they sat down to talk, God was not happy. Moses was fine. The anointing wasn't. So God wasn't happy. And God decides to call for a meeting. Now, you can imagine God calling for a meeting. And then when he called for a meeting, then he said, hear now my words. And then he describes the office of a prophet. He says, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. And so you see one of the primary ways in which God communicates the prophetic is visions and dreams. Why? Because sometimes human beings are too busy mentally that it seems as if sometimes God needs you asleep to communicate certain things without you getting distracted by Instagram. And no, honestly, that's why, you know, there's a certain part of hearing God that actually needs quietness. There's actually a place for quiet time with God. And usually the prophetic doesn't flow much with um, disturbances. That's why some people go to the mountains. That's why some people put headsets <laughs> and shut the door. Others will just go on a prophetic drive. What am I doing? Just going to hear God. There are times where, like my wife even knows, there are times when I'm preparing for a big meeting. Maybe times. There are times where we might just decide, okay, let's be in different places. So maybe I'll go to some restaurant. I don't know, in the grace, I hear God more in my restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go to some restaurant and just be there sitting, having coffee and all those things for hours. By the time I'm back, huh? <laughs> okay, so it says, I reveal to him in a vision, I speak to him in a dream. Now, he then describes Moses because Moses was more than a prophet. You're aware, right? Moses was more than a prophet. Firstly, to Pharaoh, Moses was more than a prophet. To Pharaoh, Moses was a god. You know that? God told Moses, I'll make you as God to Pharaoh and Aaron your prophet. So <laughs> Moses was so high in rank to Pharaoh that he actually even needed a prophet to speak for him. And then when it came to God, Moses was more than a prophet. Meaning, he, what is the level that's higher than a prophet to God? It's relationship. He actually had a relationship with God. Do you remember when Jesus was saying John the Baptist was the greatest prophet ever? And then the very next sentence he says, he says, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Why? Relationship. Relationship will always be greater than servanthood. It will always be greater. And the day we talk about friendship with God, you realize, if I'm to use a Zambian dialect, that it doesn't mean chiveleshi or familiarity. Because the man who was called God's friend was actually extremely respectful in the way he honored God. God doesn't give friendship to those who don't honor him. That's why in Psalms it says that the secret of the Lord or the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. It's not God. Now, he then, do you want us to see the description of Moses to see that he was more than a prophet? Next verse. He said, not so with my servant Moses. He's faithful in all my house. And what does he say? I speak to him face to face, even plainly, and not in sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So in short, <laughs> like Moses and God were friends. Moses knew how God looked like. He could see the form of God. Me, he could be standing, and then God has walked in, and they're having a conversation. Something he couldn't reveal to the rest of the Israelites. 
remember to the rest of the Israelites, he said, I can't reveal my form because they will make creatures. So if you want to see more of God, you get rid of idolatry, right? So the prophet has God revealing himself to him. Then there's a place that's deeper than just visions and dreams. There's a place called the counsel of God. In the book of Jeremiah 23, that's why as you, when you understand the place of the counsel of God, you don't just, um, because you had a dream, Jeremiah 23, let's start from verse 19. Because you had a dream, then it's true. No, there's a place for the counsel of God where you, you download the entire message. And that one is not for those who are in a hurry. That one is not for those who are in a hurry. That one is for those who are willing to be patient. From what I've realized about the counsel of God, uh, verse 20, the counsel of God, uh, okay, I'll explain it. Next verse. He says, I've not sent these prophets, yet they reign. I've not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. So there's a place where you start. And that's why, though I, I'm teaching you all principles of the prophetic, and that's why with the prophetic, don't prophesy simply because you're excited. Someone buys you a gift. Ladies and gentlemen, be careful to say, this is my blessing to you. Not, <laughs> I've heard in the spirit within two days when you didn't hear anything, you were just excited. The other place, okay, let's continue. It says, now these people that God is referring to are not false prophets. The false prophets were referred to earlier, the prophets of Baal. These ones were prophets of Jehovah, but here was their problem. He says, but if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Now, the context of the verse is almost as if here is a meeting, and then you're the secretary, and then you're taking minutes, where you even have a part which are not clear. You go back and say, um, God, what did you mean on this one? That's the place for the counsel of God. It's beyond just a dream or a vision. It's where you stand in his counsel. And you hear him. Praise God. Um, I'll be doing a few breaks to just maybe give you some prophetic moments that have really um, meant something to me. Now remember I told you that prophesying involves everything that has to do with the prophetic, right? So there is foretelling there is foretelling. You say something before it happens, there's also a dimension where you speak to things with power, and they happen. For example, Ezekiel was taught to prophesy to the bones. He was not telling the bones, hi, bone, your name is Tendon. No, with the bones, he was telling them, bone, do this. That was called prophesying. Turn to your neighbor and say, prophesy. Tell another one, say, prophesy. Um, I cannot overestimate just what the prophetic can do and just some of the things that have been uniquely revealed through the prophetic. I cannot overestimate them. I cannot overestimate them. Maybe I'll share as we go on. Now, I want us to look at some of the things that happen, and I'll use the Old Testament for now, because it starts from there. And what would happen to a society if a prophet was raised? Now, the benefits were so much so 
that Moses, who was a prophet like Jesus, remember Jesus was, Moses was told, I'll raise someone like you. Why do you think Moses was called like a prophet who was like Jesus? I think it's several things. One of them is his intercession. Moses, do you remember God saying, have you ever read where the Bible says God told Moses saying, move out of the way. I want to kill the Israelites. Then let's forget the Abrahamic covenant. I'll make a new nation through you. Move out of the way. How was he in the way of God? <laughs> Moses is like, no, God, you're not going to do it. And then Moses responds saying, God, kill me instead. And he says, look, do you want the nations to say that your name was embarrassed, that you called the people and you left them alone? L let me be the one to take it for them instead. And the Bible says, God repented of his thoughts. Go read the Old Testament. <laughs> Interesting, eh? So then, here is Moses. He's such an intercessor. Somebody who genuinely loved the people. I want you to hear this thought that he expressed. But then, mentally and spiritually connected to the first verse that we read. It shall come to pass in the last days upon my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Right? Connected to that verse. Let's go. Numbers chapter 11, verse 26 to 30. Numbers 11, verse 26 to 30. And the prophetic can be very funny. Very funny. I'm just trying to choose which story to tell because some of them are very private. <laughs> okay, let's go. This is the time of Moses, right? And it says, but two men had remained in the camp. Ah, can't be believe they are not prophesying. No. Refuse. Mm -mm. Refuse that. Refuse to be a mediocre believer. It's your heritage. It's your inheritance. It's like working and you're not on payroll. You protest. So you go before God today saying, where are my words? I'm serious. Mm. But two men had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad. And the name of the other, Medad. And the spirit rested upon them. What was the automatic result of the spirit resting upon them? Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet they prophesied in the camp. Why? Because the spirit of God was on them. Do you remember 1 Samuel chapter 10? Is it verse 10? Where it says, the spirit of the Lord shall come upon you and you will, you will become another man. And then the spirit of the Lord came upon Saul and he prophesied with the prophets. And the saying was said in that place saying is so among the prophets. You've read that, right? Let's, go, let's continue. Next verse. When they came there to the hill, oh, no, 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 go back, please. It's okay. That was just for reference. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Aha. Uh -huh. And Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So in case you wanted to see yet again the place for service, the person who ended up taking over from Moses is the guy who served him. He, was even, he didn't mind being called Moses' assistant. And he says, Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men. Hmm. <laughs> Imagine what the Bible describes you. And Moses was one writing some of this stuff. What the Bible describes you as one of his choice men. Answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Even the choice man never understood it. Have you got in the picture? People are prophesying. They've come to, they've come to report. And Joshua says, Moses, my Lord. He, by the way, Lord means master. So he actually used to refer to Moses as his master. 
And he says, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Aha. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? And look at what he says. All that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So the desire of Moses was actually for everyone to have the spirit of God on them and for them to all prophesy. Meaning, if they all had the spirit of, of God upon them, perhaps they wouldn't have been as stubborn. Perhaps they wouldn't have been as rebellious. Because there is something that a prophetic word does. It aligns you. It keeps you. Now, if that was the Old Testament and that was Moses' cry, how much more now when we actually have access to the Spirit of God? <laughs> Change your neighbor and say, prophesy. Change to another one and say, prophesy. What are some of the things that prophets did in the Old Testament? Some years ago, I had a dream. And in that dream, I saw a spirit of suicide. I was around zero three when I had that dream. And that, that morning, people learned the disadvantage of living with a pastor. The moment I woke up at zero three, I woke up everyone. <laughs> whether you slept at one, whether you slept at 2.30, whether you slept at 2.59. And we all had to pray. The moment we were done praying, I had, I don't know how many names on my heart. I made phone calls at 05. And almost everyone I was calling, as a matter of fact, everyone I called was at a low moment where they would have easily been tempted by that spirit. And the preservation came. A few weeks ago, I had a very strange one. You know, the prophetic is interesting because it brings about a certain sense of adventure. Don't you think so? I had a strange one. It was almost as if I was taken back in time for two or three of our members. And I... Like it was a dream, and in the dream, it's like you're taken back in time, and then you're interacting with someone when they're younger. And so you're understanding certain things about them from back then, and very specific things. One of them, I remember, I went back to when they were in third year. <laughs> and by then, we had never met, so I'm like, I'm interacting and interacting. I remember it was a Sunday morning when I got up and called them, the shock but I knew why. I can't share it, but I knew why. There was something about the assignment that was being I can tell you story after story. But like I said, I'm struggling because the prophetic is usually about details. I don't want to go into details. But I'm telling you, I, I don't know where I would be without the prophetic. I don't know. What about you? I don't know where I would be. So perhaps let's see a few things that the prophets did. Number one, they pointed to Christ. Whether it was through their lives or through their actions or through their words, they all pointed to Jesus. And let it be reflective now of you. You who's been 
given that territory in your family, in your school, in your area, to the nations, what are you supposed to do? Point to the Lord Jesus. A good example of that is Isaiah. What was Isaiah prophesying about? The Lord Jesus. Ezekiel, the Lord Jesus. Joseph's life was all about the Lord Jesus. So they all pointed to the Lord Jesus. That's why the foundations of the gospel they were built on the apostles and the prophets. Because they all pointed to the Lord Jesus. Number two, they helped people with personal things. The prophetic, as large as it is, would come down to minute details and people would be helped with their day-to-day -day life. First Samuel. You can see that in First Samuel. The prophet I would advise you to read the most when it came to personal things would probably be Elisha, right? Elisha helped people when the river was bitter. He healed the river. Guys, healed the river. An axe floated at the words of Elisha. In 1 Samuel, you notice that these guys had lost a donkey. And their first instinct is, look, isn't there a prophet somewhere? And you see that in 1 Samuel chapter number 9. First Samuel 9, and I want you to see verse, um, verse 20. Samuel answers and says, First Samuel 9, verse 20, but as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, he was not even told by them, do not be anxious about them for they have been found. And then he changes the topic and he says, on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? So Samuel prophesied about a donkey. Meaning it can get personal. It can get to minute details. It can get to the microscopics of a person's life. Because that's how God is. It can get very personal. That's why I would advise you, if you want God to use in the prophetic, not to be a gossip. Because God can tell you some very personal things. So he has to, he has to be able to trust you. So they would help with very, like with some of the basic of the basic details. Okay. I remember one time, I think I was 17, and then people made a line because they heard they could prophesy. I said, sure, if I see anything, I'll tell you. If I don't, I won't, because I don't prophesy under pressure. And then I was at a meeting for like young people. You know where young people gather to just preach? So I'm now like, one of the people who gathered, who lined up was the one who was preaching. And so I said, um, I don't know why, but I'm seeing your heart, and I'm seeing the number four. And she asked me if we could go to the side. So we went to the side and then she goes like, I have four boyfriends. <laughs> I said, hey. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. <laughs> so you can go to <laughs> And I remember, I said, look, you're not at a stable place. So just break up with all of them. And just, you know, start life afresh. Then I go for another meeting one time. And I meet this gentleman, and he was huge. And he says, I would like to talk to you. I said, sure. I, we got the side, and he goes like, are you the one who told my girlfriend to break up with me? I said, um, I was like, you know what, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for doing that. You know, I had been feeling that God wanted me to. <laughs> the relief. But the prophetic can be so detailed, um, very detailed. Hallelujah. The second thing we see, no, the third, that was the first, right? 
pointing to Jesus, help people with personal things. The third thing you see is that the prophetic was always God's weapon against the occult, against the occult, against witchcraft, against Satanists, against all those things. So let's say if there's a lot of Satanism in an area, what would God raise? A prophet. If there's witchcraft in a family, what would God make sure your mother gave birth to? A prophet. I don't know if you're hearing me. Because God's answer to the occult has always been the prophetic. Notice, in the book of Exodus, the magicians, what was the answer? A prophet. Notice when it came to uh, the prophets of Baal. Whenever there would be Baal worshippers, what would be the answer? A prophet. God would raise a prophet. Because it's beyond just the words. It's the spiritual authority that a prophet carries. Let me give you an example. Do you remember when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal, about 450 of them, and he challenged them to say that uh, the God who answers by fire, that's the one. Do you know that there is a very high chance that those prophets of Baal had created fire before? Otherwise, they wouldn't have accepted it so easily. And when you see the occultic practices of those days, when you look at, let's say, Pharaoh's magicians, clearly those guys knew how to do supernatural things. And they even had methods. How come it didn't work? Elijah was there. Meaning, the, just his, his presence put all their powers on zero. I remember one time, um, uh, we, we had gone on a trip, I think we had gone to Chongwe, and we were like ministering some people. And then one of the, there was a woman in the family, in that particular family, who it's like a practicing witch. Like a practicing witch. Like practicing, not like, like practicing. Where everybody knows. And so we were first going to pray for her husband. I think they're not together anymore. And he was like uh, paralyzed. And it seemed to be the same witchcraft. So when we're driving on our way there, the same woman tells a granddaughter, where is he? Can you tell that small boy not to come? I've seen him in my mirror. Tell Fred not to come. Tell him not to come. I said, I'm coming. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking. We reach the house and we're praying for the man and we see somebody running. She had sent another relative. Tell him not to just go back. Let him not come disturb anything. I said, God, tell her I'm coming to see her. Now apparently, the last, every prophet, pastor or something who they would take there would get stoned, beaten, and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to prove a point. So I decided we're going there. And so, <laughs> so I was young. So we went there. I parked my car at a safe distance. <laughs> so I parked my car at a safe distance, right? And Apparently, the moment any person would meet her, she would immediately begin to tell them details of their lives through some occultic means. The moment I reached the signal, her signal left. She couldn't move. She remained with her fist like this. Why? It was power versus power. It was power versus power. And that was a miracle to the family that a pastor could actually come and reach. And we found her outside waiting for us. She knew we were coming. And we didn't mind. So, um, in every field, you would be amazed if you had to find out the extent to which the occult is there, which shows you God needs prophetic people. I received a phone call one time. I was having a conversation. I, I just received a random call from Pastor Daniel, and he says, that's like last week, and he says, Pastor, you're in a class right now. I'm like, sure. And there are some young men and some in ministry, some in medicine, some in this. And most of them were like pastors and, or people like going in that direction. And said, we want to find out, are there uh, still women who use um, charms and other occultic practices for, have you experienced any of those things? Like, like to date men and stuff. I said, huh? said, sit. 
and they're like, Pastor, tell us the stories. Because they wanted to know. That way they will realize that uh, going about and having sex all about <laughs> is very risky. And what shocked them is when I told them, I'm not talking about uh, like these old people from the village. I'm talking about these same boarding houses, they've infiltrated them. So you go about just having sex anyhow. You sleep with Delilah. <laughs> and you wake up with your hair cut off. Ministry gone. And they were amazed. You'd be amazed. As it stands, there are WhatsApp groups where they've got their spiritual mother who then teaches them. This is what you do. You do this. There's some, I've helped some. I remember I asked saying, are you okay with me sharing? So that I help as many people. I said, please, feel free. Some will, they get this thing, they put it under their tongue. And so if they ask a man for money, he'll give them. So they'll go to a nightclub with no money. And every man they'll ask for money from, the man will give them. Even the man, spiritually dead. And, but can I just say something, though I'm diverting a bit. Uh, the question then becomes, Pastor, is it my husband with the problem? Or is it the devil? Is it my boyfriend with the problem? Or vice versa, girlfriend, whatever. If they are cheating, or is it the devil? It's both. Let me explain. You notice that for a demon to influence a person's behavior, there is some form of permission that it needs to influence behavior a certain way. A person doesn't just wake up demonized. I'm not talking about an oppression like maybe it's trying to cause a sickness or it's trying to align circumstances. That's a different story. But whenever it comes to behavioral things, there's usually some permission that it needs. So for example, uh, someone is saying, look, I lost my husband because, or my boyfriend, whatever, because, you know, that lady used charms for him. Now, some of these charms you find, maybe they'll put it in the person's foodstuffs, right? Now, it's not like, uh, and usually to do such, probably they would have to have been eating at their house, right? So what was he doing there? And then there are other charms which they put on their private parts that as they're having sex, there's like this connection, right? So what was he doing having sex with her in the first place? He dragged himself into that and then Satan, it's like you give Satan a leg and he grabs a, a whole body. There's no one in this world who can go chant anything and say, Fred is my husband and it would work. If they don't die, <laughs> they'll probably come out with their lips burnt. Anyways, that's a story for another day. Now, what am I trying to say? Then it means prophetic people need to be raised. People who can, in that boarding house, somebody who can stand and say, ah, there's something not right. I nullify. <laughs> I don't know if you're hearing me. <laughs> I remember one time I'm driving with my wife and we see some man almost like half naked, looking like he was doing rituals on the road. And I remember we said, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing it for, we cancel it now in Jesus' name. I don't know if you're hearing me. Prophetic people have to be raised because not all have faith. The Bible says pray for us because not all have faith. There are some people who are wicked. There are some people who hate it that your parents have money to take you to school. There are some people who hate it that you're doing well. There are some people who can go to the lengths just to bewitch a person. If you think everyone in the world is kind, you will not know how to do. There are times you have to do fire prayers. I don't know if you're hearing me. And prophetic people are God's weapons in spiritual warfare. <laughs> Jeremiah was told in Jeremiah 51 verse 20. Speaking to Jeremiah who was a prophet, what was he told? Come on, if you are in the prayer ministry, I'm sure this verse is your memory verse. Not so. It says, you are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you, I will break the nation in pieces. With you, I will destroy kingdoms. You're the one I used to fight. So when God wants to challenge something in a city, challenge something in a nation, challenge something in a family, what does he do? He raises prophetic people. Hallelujah. So he raises prophetic people. 
We started prophesying this generation into being. Right now, the majority of people here are young, right? Probably. Um, you know, I don't get it. Someone will come and say, if you had so many young people, is that a good thing? How many things were being said about the young people of this generation and how they hate God and how they hate everything spiritual? And look at the generation we've been able to raise. We started, we, we had to fight against that. But you must know, now, here's the thing. Someone would say, are you getting them too spiritual? Do you know that Satan would rather have it the other way? Do you know how worldly he wants to get people to be? Have you ever counseled a 22-year-old who's not born again? No, you sit down with a 22-year-old who's not born again. You'll be amazed. You would want everyone to be born again. And you would want to reach out to them when they're still younger. Why do you think we're having the Young Adults meeting? <laughs> young Adults Conference. And in that conference, I would talk, oh my goodness. If I have to say it as a poem, if I have to wrap it, I don't, I would talk. There's no way we can sit thinking Satan needs their energy, and yet the church doesn't. So when they come here, we give them what to do. And that's why those of you who you've been here for a while, you don't yet have what to do. What are you using your energy on? Because the glory of a young man is their strength. That's what the Bible says. So if you're not using your strength in church, where do you use it? That's why you just find, you find on Friday your body just feeling do do do. No, I just need to go to a club. It's you've got too much energy and you're not using it. Too much energy. You're, you're doing nothing with that energy in the kingdom of God. It will find where to express itself. I'll be walking around during spas. If I find you not dancing, I'll ask you why you're tired. <laughs> okay. I can continue next week, right? Huh. I've taught you some stuff. <laughs> when you go back, whether it's your home, your school, wherever, as you're entering, you can see the spiritual territorial commander. <laughs> you know, my only challenge, my only challenge is some of you think I'm joking. Some of you think it's a Pentecostal joke. So I'll say it again. You say the spiritual territorial commander is here. Nothing flies without my permission. <laughs> Nothing happens without my permission. I'm holding it back because the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. I'm holding it back. I'm like tempted to like just... To just... You know you can be introduced into realms. Like, you know, you can be dragged into realms. Can we pray for three minutes? Are you okay with that? Are you sure you want to pray all seated? Isaiah chapter 6. God said, whom shall I send? Isaiah said, here am I. Here am I. Here am I. Said, Here am I. Send me. The Bible tells us in the book of Samuel that the word of God was rare in those days. It was rare. And there was a woman named Hannah who had a rival called Penina. Hannah made a deal with God saying, Lord, look, give me a son. I'll give you a prophet. Because God just needed a vessel. Oh, 
Holy Spirit, use us. I yield my eyes. I yield my eyes. Let them see what you want them to see. I yield my ears. Let them hear what you want them to hear. I yield my spirit. Show me. Send me. In the next three minutes, let your prayer be here. In our Sawa Ulilisa Nefayu kumona Lisa ye Lisa ye Lisa ye Lisa ye Lisa ye Lisa e Lisa e Lisa 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 And then he puts him Deni pochimu Pamuyo andi Deni pochimu Pamuyo andi Deni pochimu here I am, here I stand, Lord, my life is in your hands, and oh, I'm longing to see. Your desires revealed in me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Oh, so you and you one more time. So you, I give myself away. Oh, 
saw you and used me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. My life is not my own. To you, I belong and I give myself. I give myself to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's give our offerings, close the service, then we'll continue. I give myself, I give myself. Praise Him. Sing it for us. My life is on my own. We are free to give our offerings. I give myself, I give myself to you. What's happening with her? What's going on? Let it be as you desire in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now in the name of Jesus, I bless you. Go and prophesy. Yeah, the one who's been raised, go and prophesy in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the city of the Lord Church on 0 0-777-93-0882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.